0: Welcome to the Faith and More podcast. I firmly believe that the divine works through people to help us every day. These angels and saints are so very humble. Many of us don't know they exist or existed. Hello, my name is Angel and I'll be your host as we explore the lives of these amazing beings. We will also explore topics that can help your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. The goal of this show is to inspire, encourage, educate, uplift, strengthen, and heal you and your faith. Welcome, welcome everyone. How are you all doing? I so hope and pray you all are doing as well as possible. Again, I know these are really bad times and please know that each and every one of you are in my heart and my prayers. And if you need uh, individual prayers, do not hesitate to reach out to me. You can find out how to do that. The contact information I will share at the end of the show. Um, You know, as I've said and will always say, I love to pray. People that listen to the show love to pray. I'm sure you love to pray as well. Please let us help you. Let us be there for you. Please uh, let us um, share in your prayers and pray for you and again information on how to do that is at the end of the show. So here we are with chapter two for the St. Faustina story and I hope you all enjoyed last week's show and I do apologize that this show is being broken up into uh, separate pieces. I know I hate cliffhangers and I don't want to do it but there's just so much truly amazing stuff to cover on St. Faustina and I don't want to rush it and I don't want to cram it all into one podcast that no one would get near with a 12 foot pole. Um, So I figure it would be best to just tackle it in pieces. That way everybody can enjoy it and digest it because there's so much um, in each show that we're covering that it does take a week at least to unpack everything and analyze everything that we covered in the show. So Again, I hope you all enjoyed last week's show, and if you're just now tuning in and you have no idea what I'm talking about, please take a moment before you listen to this week's show to go back and listen to last week's show. Wait, better yet, if you just got here, why don't you go back to season one and start from the beginning and listen through? know, Do what you want. Do what you want. There's so much, so much to cover. If you're just now joining us and this is new to you, there is so much, so much show to go around. Uh, but here we are this week with chapter two on uh, the truly amazing story of St. Faustina. It was in the convent at Plock where Sister Faustina arrived in the May or June of 1930 that her great prophetic mission was to begin. It was Sunday, the 22nd of February, 1931. In the evening, when she returned to her cell, she had a physical vision of Jesus in a white robe. His right hand was lifted up in a gesture of blessing, and his left hand was touching his breast, from which two rays, a red one and a pale one, radiated out. After a while, Jesus said to her, paint an image according to the pattern you see, with the signature, Jesus, I trust in you. I desire that this image be venerated, first in your chapel and then throughout the world. I promise that the soul that venerates this image will not perish. I also promise victory over its enemies already here on earth, especially at the hour of death. I shall protect it as my own glory. And that was in her diary entry number 47 through 48. And if you all have not had a chance to check out St. Faustina's diary, um, I put a link in the description for last week in the show notes for last week, and I'll put one in for this week, but on Amazon um, you can get her diary for like $8 right now, brand new. And that's awesome. And also, um, There will be a link this week uh, in the show notes how you can listen to it for free um, on a podcast by um, Father Joe Roche um, of the Marian Fathers. He did a 365 day um, St. Faustina reading her diary and it's awesome because he reads it's each podcast is only about eight minutes between eight and ten minutes long. You know much much shorter than this show. But it's really good because at the end of each show, he reviews what he read and gives you um, his view and take on um, what St. Faustina was getting at, which is awesome because that adds more depth to it. So again, all that information will be uh, in our show notes and information on how to get the show notes will be at the end of this show as at the end of all shows. Uh, but again, if you haven't had a chance to get the diary yet, I highly recommend. It. It's not very, a be- very big book, so it's an easy read. And it's it's a really exciting read. So also, what she just shared right now is so very important. It's it's one of the the icons of her existence of what she uh, experienced and shared, and eventually ended up help creating, which is the famous uh, Divine Mercy image of Jesus with the white and red rays radiating out from his heart and the uh, caption under Jesus, I trust in you. Um, uh, you know, I don't know if, whether you will believe it or not. I mean, those who aren't of the faith, um, the Roman Catholic faith may not believe in all this stuff, but I mean, it's it is truly an amazing image and the divine mercy prayer itself is really powerful and I highly recommend it. I'll have information, of course, on that as well. Uh, in the show notes for anybody that's interested in studying, learning, and practicing the Divine Mercy Chaplet. During her next confession, she told her confessor about this incident. The priest told her to paint an image of Jesus in her soul. But as she left the confessional, Jesus explained, My image already is in your soul. I desire that there be a feast of mercy. I want this image, which you will paint with a brush, to be solemnly blessed on the first Sunday after Easter, that Sunday is to be the Feast of Mercy. I desire that priests proclaim this great mercy of mine towards souls of sinners. And that's in her diary entry number 49 through 50. On Jesus' confirmation that he meant a material picture, she informed the local superior about the situation who demanded a sign confirming the truth of the visions. Jesus said to St. Faustina that the sign would be, would come with the graces dispensed through the picture. St. Faustina was not good at drawing, so she asked another sister for help. I couldn't paint either, and I did not understand that she meant a new kind of picture. So the sister recalled, so I suggested I would offer her a choice Out of the many fine holy pictures I had, she thanked me but did not take up my offer. So, here we have her confessor, the priest that she went to, saying, "You know, we'll go ahead and you know paint something or do something from your heart." And she she steps out of the confessional. Jesus kind of corrects corrects the priest, says, "Nah, that's that's not what I meant and that's not what I said. You have to paint the picture." and Of course, St. Faustina was not an artist by any way or means. So she went to another sister to see if she would help. And that sister couldn't help either other than, you know, she couldn't paint either. But all she could do was offer her some holy pictures that she already had, which absolutely was not what Jesus was getting at. I mean, how would we react (laughs) if Jesus appeared to us and said, hey, go do this or do that? You know, not only did he ask her to paint this picture, uh, but he asked her to have it blessed. And on the first Sunday after Easter, which is those of you who are Roman Catholic, that's a huge day. That's like the day. Um, so and then to also have the Sunday after that Easter as a feast, declared a feast of mercy. So this is like, you know, just mind blowing uh, what jesus is asking of saint faustina and bless her heart she's doing everything she can i mean you can't you can't say no you can't say no to jesus believe me i i kind of tried but with this show but it's here it's here anyway right uh you know he wanted me to do this show and i was like no i don't think anybody would be interested and i don't have the time and You know, he was kind of like, well, you know, you had this heart thing and I really didn't have time, but I made time for you. So, (laughs) you know, he wasn't guilt tripping me at all, but he was kind of like nudging me, you know, nudge, nudge, say no more, say no more kind of thing. Uh, But, you know, and that was nothing compared to what he's asking St. Faustina. Wow. Bless her. So, as often happens in convents, word went round that Sister St. Faustina, who was Sister Faustina at that time, had a vision. The other nuns in the community became skeptical with respect to her. Some warned of her having hallucinations. Others declared she was hysterical and fantasizing, and yet others acknowledged that she must be close to Jesus since she was bearing all this suffering with such calm. Uh, St. Faustina says, yet I resolved to bear everything in silence and to give no explanations when I was questioned. St. Faustina confided in her diary, some were irritated by my silence, especially those who were more curious. Others who reflected more deeply said, Sister Faustina must be very close to God if she has the strength to bear so much suffering. And that's in diary entry number 126. But the greatest suffering was caused by the uncertainty as to where the visions came from. Her superiors directed her to priest, and the priest sent her back to her superiors. St. Faustina wished a priest would come and resolve the question definitively and just say, be at peace, you are on the right road, or reject all this for it does not come from God. And that's diary entry number 127. In this situation, she tried to avoid the Lord. And when that when he came, she would ask Jesus, are you my God or some kind of phantom? Because my superiors say that there are all sorts of illusions and phantoms. If you are my Lord, I beg you to bless me. Then Jesus made a big sign of the cross over me. And I, too, signed myself. When I asked pardon of Jesus for this question, he replied that I had in no way displeased him by this question and that my confidence pleased him very much. So, I mean, of course, you you all can probably just imagine, you know, all the whispers and backbiting and stabbing and uh, rumors and chatty chat that was going on behind her back about this in I mean, just like today. What if somebody came up and started saying that they all the stuff that St. Faustina said? We would no doubt, no doubt the the world would label her as a loony and, you know, have her, you know, put into a mental ward. Um, No one would take her seriously. No one would believe it. Everybody would be skeptical and everybody would be, you know, talking all kinds of negative stuff, you know, about her. And it would just be as what she went through then, so completely horrible, but she braved through it all with silence. She didn't reply to people's questions. She didn't reply to people's backbiting. She didn't let the, you know, all the talk behind her back get to her. No doubt it hurt. It No doubt it hurt her very badly, but she did not let on that it did. I mean, and she even questioned God because this is something St. Faustina battled with back and forth was, you know, and anybody that gets those kind of, you know, visions and premonitions and, you know, feelings and stuff always question it where is it coming from? Is it coming from God? Is this God? Is this Jesus? Is this the Holy Spirit, et cetera, et cetera? Is this the divine or is this something evil that's putting this in my head? Is this something evil? That 's trying to get me to do something that i 'm not supposed to be doing, and so that's also what the priest and um, you know the higher ups in the convent the sisters that's why they kept bouncing her back and forth because neither one wanted to be responsible for putting a finger on it and saying it's this or it's that. the lack of a permanent spiritual director and the inability to fulfill the task ascribed her made St. Faustina want to back out of these supernatural inspirations. But Jesus patiently kept on explaining to her the magnitude of the work he had chosen for her. Know that if you neglect the matter of the painting of the image and the whole work of mercy, you will have to answer for a multitude of souls On the Day of Judgment, and that's in her diary entry number 154, he told her these words filled her soul with a terrible awe. She realized that she was responsible not only for her own salvation, but also other people's. And so she resolved to do all her power to fulfill his will or to make him transfer these graces to someone else since she was only wasting them. Now, that might be difficult for anybody to understand because, you know, here's at that time, you know, Jesus is saying that if you fail to do this, then not only are you going to be judged on this, uh, but you're going to be judged on all the souls um, that are lost because this wasn't done. And everyone can probably agree that's very, very harsh. But what he meant by that, what Jesus meant by that was. If you look at it now in our present day, that divine mercy image of Jesus and it says, Jesus, I trust in you. And also the divine mercy prayers and and chaplet have helped so many souls, uh, whether those souls are living now, souls who have passed, souls in purgatory. It has saved so many souls. And again, I don't I don't some of you may not. Believe this or follow this, but just, you know, bear with me on it. That this image and these prayers have saved so many souls that these, all of these souls would not have been saved if it weren't for the Divine Mercy painting and the Divine Mercy prayer. So I hope that makes it a little bit more understandable. I mean, of course, coming from back then, you know, St. Faustina didn't know what the magnitude of this was going to be. You know, she was just struggling just to get by on everyday life. Um, let alone do something of this magnitude. In November 1932, St. Faustina left Plock and returned to Warsaw for the third probation and to prepare for her perpetual vows. Her superiors sent her first to the congregation's house in nearby Walendo, where an eight-day annual retreat was just starting under the direction of a Jesuit father, Edmund Elter, a professor of ethics homiletics, and rhetoric at Gregorianum University in Rome. During confession, he assumed her, she was on the right track, or excuse me, assured her that she was on the right road and that her relationship with Jesus was neither hysteria, nor delusion, nor daydreaming. He advised her to be true to these graces, urging her not to stay away from them, but to entreat God, for a spiritual director who would help her understanding in understanding and carrying out Jesus's wishes. After the retreat, she returned to Warsaw, full of gratitude and spiritual joy, to prepare during her third probation, along with two other sisters under the direction of Mother Gimbet, for making of her perpetual vows. So on top of everything else, poor Faustina had all this other stuff going on, uh, in life, but blessings to uh, this father elder who who just really helped encourage and inspire and uplift her and heal her soul to continue on, give her that strength to continue on by you know reassuring her that now these these things that you're, you 're know, you witnessing and seeing and feeling are correct, and this is wh- exactly what you need to do, so don 't give up and keep going. Towards the end of April 1932, she came to Krakow for an eight-day retreat, which was to be followed by her perpetual vows. Each time I call to mind, she confessed, that in a few days I am to become one with the Lord through perpetual vows, a joy beyond all description floods my soul. The ceremony for her perpetual vows was conducted by Bishop Stanislaw Rospond, or Rospond, On the 1st of May, 1933, St. Faustina, during this ceremony, commended to Jesus the whole church, her congregation, her family, all sinners, the dying, and the souls in purgatory. She thanked Jesus for the unfathomed grace of being the bride of the Son of God and implored Our Lady for a special care, reminding her of a new claim to her love. Mother of God, most holy mother, you are my mother in a special way now because your beloved son is my bridegroom, and thus we are both your children. For your son's sake, you have to love me. And that was Diary Entry number 240. The bishop bestowed on her a ring with the name Jesus, engraved on it as the sign of eternal nuptial from that moment, her union with God was closer than ever before. She felt that she loved God and was loved in return. After her perpetual vows, Sister, excuse me, Saint Faustina stayed in Krakow for almost a month, taking advantage of the service of Father Josef Andras, uh, Sr., who, like Father Edmund Elter, had confirmed her in the belief that the visions were genuine and advised her to remain faithful to the grace of God and to be obedient. Towards the end of May, 1933, she was directed by Vilnius, or excuse me, directed to Vilnius. On her way to Vilnius, she made a stop at Czecho, excuse me, it's Cze-tow-tow-a, I believe that's right, C-Z-E-S-T-O-C-H-O-W-A, sorry for our Polish speaking friends out there to entrust Mary her life and mission, which she received from God. In Vilnius, St. Faustina was to work in the garden. Although she had not any experience in this duty, she accepted God's will in spirit of faith, trusting that Jesus would help and bring her in touch with people who would tell her when and what to do to make beautiful flowers and wholesome fruit and vegetables grow in the garden. But this wasn't her biggest worry. She was anxious to fulfill the mission Jesus had given her. She waited for the priest he had promised and the chance to have the painting of the merciful Jesus made according to God's will. The week for confession came, she recorded in her diary, and to my great joy I saw the priest I had known before coming to Vilnius. I had known him by seeing him in a vision. At that moment I heard these words in my soul. This is my faithful servant. He will help you to fulfill my will here on earth. And that's diary entry number 263. And that was Father Michael Sopochko, who lectured in a pastoral theology in the faculty of theology of Stephen Batori University and in educational studies in a teacher's training college. He was spiritual director and chaplain in Vilnius Archdiocesan Seminary and confessor to numerous religious congregations including the Antichol House of Congregation of the Sisters of Our Lady of Mercy for their Confession Week. So she finally gets to the person that's going to help her make all this happen and a spiritual director who is not only going to be in her corner but he's Definitely going to, to to support her and encourage her and keep her going, and that's Father Michael Sapochko. And he was with her throughout the rest of her life. And Father Sapochko also continued on uh, Saint Faustina's legacy after her passing, which we'll get into here later in the story. So Father Sapochko was not just any old priest; he was highly skilled um, and had so much experience. So it continues on by saying. An experienced confessor, Father Sapochko, first tried to get to know his penitence and not be misled by any delusions, hallucinations, or fantasies deriving from human nature. He consulted Mother Superior, Irina, asking for information concerning St. Faustina's religious life and asked for an examination to be done of her physical and mental health. When all the opinions, including the psychiatric examination, carried out, by Dr. Helena, turned out, in St. Faustina's favor, Father Sapochko still deferred for some time. He couldn't quite believe it all and make up his mind. He prayed, and while keeping the particulars of the visions and penitent fully confidential, sought the advice of knowledgeable priests. Finally, as he later disclosed, More out of curiosity rather than conviction as to the authenticity of St. Faustina's visions, I decided to have the picture painted. I got in touch with Eugenio Kosmierowski, an artist who lived in the same house as I and undertook to paint the picture, and with Mother Superior who allowed St. Faustina to visit him twice a week to instruct him on the details of the painting. So, I mean, yeah, even Father Sapochko had all of these tests done, and rightly so, because if you know going into this, coming from his perspective, that there's going to be so many people that are going to be downing this and against this. So the more you can get as far as evidence to back St. Faustina from the very beginning on, the better. And as he said, I mean, he prayed on it and he didn't get any, you know, thing done like a direct lightning bolt from from God or from the divine, saying, you know, yes, this is my daughter, this is what I want her to do, and I want you to help. Uh, but, you know, he erred on the side of, you know, believing, and said, I'll go ahead and hook her up with this artist and, you know, have her visit him twice a week and see about getting this painting and done. See, he knew enough to know that this is probably true, but, again, knowing that all the naysayers would be there and that he needed to make sure that everything was as prepared as possible to uh, combat these naysayers. And that's that's, you know, that's terrible. But unfortunately, that's that's the life we lived in. Then it's the life we lived in now. And you know, if we think that's bad. What do we think Jesus was up against and what he underwent? I mean, it is truly, truly horrible uh, the way people treat those Um that are like that, those that are holy, those that are trying to do something from the divine. And I'm sure there's some of you out there that have that connection with the divine, that the divine asks you to do things that are difficult for you to do. And I'm sure you do them to the best of your ability, but you know, I'm sure you've come up with adversaries and people that are against it And people that treat you negatively you know i'm sure every day of your life you go out in the world and you try to do what the divine wants you to do you know you do what the divine wants you to do and people just you know treat you like garbage which is which is so horrible but we have to remember what this world is you know what this world consists of what you know what rules this world unfortunately Uh, it's, it's evil that rules this world. You know, we, we are not, you have to remember, we are not of this world, although we're in it, we're not of it. We're, we're not this world. You know, our home is, is not here. Yeah, no, it really doesn't help you get through it, does it? Uh, yeah, no, that was a terrible pep talk. Sorry. (laughs) So the painting of the first picture of merciful Jesus started very discreetly at the beginning of January, 1934. Mother Superior Irina wrote, So as not to attract other sisters' attention to Sister Faustina's inner experiences, every Saturday morning I would go with her to Holy Mass at Ostrobrama, and afterwards we would visit the artist who was given detailed instructions by St. Faustina how to paint the picture of the merciful Jesus. He did his best to follow all her requirements. The painting of the vision St. Faustina had Three years earlier at Plock gave rise to several fundamental questions which Father Sapochniko put to St. Faustina, and she in simplicity of her heart passed them on to Jesus who explained, my gaze from this image is like my gaze from the cross. Jesus explained the two rays denote blood and water. The pale ray stands for the water which justifies soul's And the red ray stands for blood, which is the life of souls. Happy is the one who will dwell in their shelter, for the just hand of God shall not lay hold of him. And that's in diary entry number 299. But there were still some doubts as to the inscription. Father Sapochniko requested St. Faustina to ask Jesus about that too. She wrote in her diary, Jesus reminded me of what he had told me the first time. Namely, that these words must be clearly in evidence. Jesus, I trust in you. When the painting was completed, Father Sapochko put it up in a dark corridor in the Observantine convent next to St. Michael's Church, of which he was rector. It was a picture with a new content, he recalled, and that is why I could not display it in church without permission from the archbishop. Whom I was embarrassed to ask, even more to explain its origins, but Saint Faustina, urged on by Jesus, demanded it be put in church. In the Holy Week of 1935, she told Father Sapochko that this was what Jesus wanted and insisted it be set up for three days in the Ostrobrama Gate, where a triduum of ceremonies was to be held before the first Sunday after Easter to mark the close of the Jubilee of the World's Redemption. Soon afterwards I heard this that this Tritum was indeed to be celebrated. Father Sapochko wrote in Canon Stanislav Zodsky, Parish Priest of Ostrobrama, invited me to deliver a sermon. I agreed on condition that the painting be put up to decorate the window of the arcade. It looked impressive there and attracted people's attention. More than the image of Our Lady over the gate. But the joy of those days for Saint Faustina was the fact that Jesus' request had been fulfilled. The mercy pitcher had been put up for public worship in the most important place in the whole of Vilnius, the shrine of Our Lady of Ostrobrama, and on that day which Jesus pointed out as the Feast of Mercy, Father Sapochko had preached a sermon on the divine mercy during which St. Faustina saw Jesus in the painting assume a living form, and his rays penetrate into the hearts of the people gathered for the ceremony, making them happy. He said to her, You are a witness of my mercy. You shall stand before my throne forever as a living witness to my mercy. The joy brought by accomplishment of Jesus's request the painting of the picture and its display for public veneration on the first Sunday after Easter, the envisaged feast of divine mercy did not last long because already in May 1935, St. Faustina felt intuitively that there would be a new task, which she was very anxious about when once Instead of praying, she started reading a religious book. She heard an inner voice. You will prepare the world for my final coming. These words stirred her deeply. And although she pretended not to have heard them, she understood them. But for the time being, did not tell anyone of them. On the Feast of Pentecost on the 9th of June, 1935, in the evening, when she was in the garden, Jesus gave her a new task. You and your companions shall obtain mercy for yourselves and for the world. Like the biblical prophets, she started enumerating her inadequacies and excusing herself that she was not capable of accomplishing this work. Jesus paid no attention to this and did not withdraw his directive, but encouraged her saying, do not fear. I myself will make up for everything that is lacking in you. But she wasn't sure she had understood his words correctly, that she was to, find, to found a new congregation. Neither had she been told explicitly to inform her confessor of this. So for the next 20 days, she remained silent. Only during a discussion with her spiritual director, Father Sapochniko, did she disclose that God demands that there be a congregation which will proclaim the mercy of God to the world and by its prayers obtain it for the world. During this conversation, she saw Jesus, who confirmed that this was his will, saying, I desire there be such a congregation. Her repeated protest that she felt unable to meet such a demand were of no avail. On the next day during Mass, she saw Jesus, who yet again said that he wanted such a work founded as soon as possible. In a mystical experience after Holy Communion, she received a blessing for the task from the Holy Trinity. This proved such an encouragement that it seemed to her nothing would be too difficult. And in an inner act, she agreed to carry out God's will, although she knew it would mean great suffering for her. So here, you know, task one is semi-completed. Now God's telling her to start a new congregation, to open a new convent um, for divine mercy or under the divine mercy. So could you only imagine, I mean, here's, <laughs> I don't want to say poor, but yeah, poor Saint Faustina is like, you know, well, yeah, I did what you wanted me to do, now you want me to do this. And, you know, could you only imagine, oh my gosh, the, the, all the way, the, the nuns, the way they've treated her, After what she did the first time, now could you only imagine the second time, oh, here's Faustina again. Now Faustina wants to start her own convent. Imagine that. Bless her soul, bless her. But she rallied on through and, of course, you know, there's more sufferings to come for poor Faustina. On Friday the 13th, imagine that, (laughs) of September of 1935, St. Faustina had a vision in her cell of an angel who was sent down by God to punish the earth seeing this sign of God's wrath she started begging the angel to hold off a while for the world to do penance but when she stood before the majesty of the Holy Trinity she did not dare repeat her plea but in her soul she felt the power of Jesus grace and started to entreat God in the words which she heard in her heart and which later became part of the chaplet. To the divine mercy. Then she saw the powerlessness of the angel who could not administer the just punishment for the sins of mankind. On the next day, when she entered the chapel, Jesus instructed her once more how she was to say the prayer on an ordinary rosary. First of all, you will say, One, our Father, and Hail Mary, and then, I believe in God, then, on The Our Father beads, you will say the following, Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. On the Hail Mary beads, you will say the following words, For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and those of the whole world. In conclusion three times you will recite these words holy god holy mighty one holy immortal one have mercy on us and on the whole world and that's diary entry number 476 this is the prayer for the appeasing of god's wrath so that's actually the divine mercy chaplet and i again i'll have a uh, information in the show notes on um, how you all can do that if you want to learn it i do it every day Um, and it's they particularly want you to do it or say Jesus wants you to do it between the hours of 3 and 4 p.m. Now the reasoning before that I know I said something about this in uh, the first chapter last week uh, on this show but the reason between it's important to do it between 3 and 4 is because uh, Jesus passed away on the cross at 3 p.m. So if you say this prayer between or these this rosary of prayers between 3 and 4 p.m. every day. That's when it's supposed to have or be at its utmost power and strength. Of course, it's, it's good no matter what day or time of the day or night you want to practice it. If you or, or recite it, if you can only do it at night or you can only do it in the morning or whenever, it's perfect to do it whenever. But if you wanted to be down to the particulars Um, which Roman Catholics are good on their particulars, you know, uh, it's the best to do it between 3 and 4 p.m. Now, is there a better day to do it? Of course, Friday. And why Friday? Because that's the day that, you know, we believe or Roman Catholics believe that that's when Jesus passed away was on a Friday at 3 p.m. So um, there you have it. In the next visions, Jesus made great promises to St. Faustina in connection with the trustful reciting of the chaplet. He promised the grace of a blessed and tranquil death, not only to those who say the chaplet, but also those whose deathbed over others will say the chaplet. Even the most hardened sinner who says the chaplet only once will receive grace from my infinite mercy. He said, it pleases me to grant everything they ask of me when they say the chaplet. These and other promises Jesus made would be fulfilled only if the practices he had recommended were accomplished by an inner attitude of trust in God combined with an act of love of one's neighbor. So these are the things Jesus promised that if, you know, you with a, you know, heart and mind in loving your neighbor, you commit to saying these prayers or this chaplet or you might as well just say a rosary, you know, even though it's called a chaplet, you're actually saying it on just a regular rosary. You don't need a special chaplet or rosary to pray the divine mercy prayers. So he's, you know, Jesus is saying that, you know, if you say this on your deathbed or someone says it on your behalf, Um, that, you know, your sins will be forgiven and you'll go to heaven. And again, I know a lot of people are going to say that and they're going to, you know, I don't agree or I don't believe or, you know, there goes those Roman Catholics again. And, uh, you know, I don't want us all to get into that. I want us to stay focused on positive here and, and look at the positive, you know, that, you know, here is yet another way to get literally divine mercy to to experience divine mercy. By reciting this prayer. And and it's very easy to do the Divine Mercy Chaplet. It takes maybe 12 minutes, 12, 15 minutes at the most. It's quicker to say the Divine Mercy Chaplet than it is to say the Holy Rosary. Now, I'm not saying that to get anybody to switch. I'm not saying don't do one and not the other. You know, do them both if you can do them both. But I'm just saying it doesn't take long to do it. It's very quick, it's very easy. There's actually um, an, an app that can walk you through it and I'll have a link to that in the show notes for you guys to check out I use it I like to just put it on and to tell you how goofy it is I'm usually unloading a dishwasher at between 3 and 4 p.m. and I will put on the you know Divine Mercy Chaplet app and I will recite the prayers with the app while I'm unloading the dishwasher so You can do it anywhere, anytime. You don't have to just be sitting down. Yes, it's important that you're focused on the prayers as you recite them. And believe me, I'm focused on the prayers as I recite them. I can do that in the dishwasher too. But anyway, just to give you uh, an example of saying, hey, when you say, I don't have time to do this. Hey, just work it into what you're doing. Work it into your work. Work it into your housework and chores. Work it into your work. Work it in. listen to it in your car as you're driving to work or from work Or you know, recite it during lunch, you know, you can put your earbuds in or headphones on and, you know, click on the app and, and listen to the prayers and recite them. There's always a way, absolutely always a way. And believe me, the world will try to convince you and whisper in your ear that there's no way that you don't have time, you know, but you do. There's always a way to make time and to add it into what you're already doing And it won't take away from anything. In fact, it's going to benefit you. It's going to benefit everyone that you're praying for. In the Vanillian period, Jesus returned to the issue of the establishment of a feast of divine mercy in the church. He reminded St. Faustina that he wanted it celebrated on the first Sunday after Easter, for the souls were still being lost despite his bitter passion. That day was to be the refuge for all souls especially those poor sinners on that day. The very depths of my tender mercy are open. He promised. I pour out a whole ocean of graces upon those souls who come to the fount of my mercy. The soul that goes to confession and receive Holy communion shall obtain complete forgiveness of sins and punishment on that day are, are open all divine floodgates through which graces flow Let no soul fear to come to me, even though its sins be as scarlet. And that's diary entry number 699. Priests were to preach sermons on God's loving mercy for man and make their hearts trust in him, thereby enabling them to draw on the fountainhead of divine mercy. Mankind will not have peace until it turns with trust to my mercy, he told St. Faustina along with the new tasks there now came a second stage of anguishing purification known as the passive nights of the spirit the background to an instrument whereby god effected this in saint faustina's soul was the work for the implementation of the concept of a new congregation at first saint faustina thought that jesus wanted her to leave her mother congregation and found a contemplative order it was with this in mind that on the 21st of March, 1936, she left Vilnius. On her way to Wallendal, she stopped at Warsaw, where she had the opportunity to discuss this matter with the Mother General, in whom she had always been able to confide. Having listened to St. Faustina, Mother General said that for the time being, it was God's will that she should stay in her congregation. Where she had made her perpetual vows, but she also expressed an opinion that the work of mercy which Jesus was entrusting to her must be very beautiful, since it was meeting with so much opposition from Satan. However, she advised her not to hurry with the foundation of the new congregation, for if the idea needed, indeed, excuse me, came from God, then it would be accomplished in its time. After a few weeks' stay at Wollandau, she went to the congregation's house in Dirty, which was just a kilometer away, where she cooked for a small group of sisters in over 30 charges. Her kitchen help, Sister Seraphina recalled, was a girl with a very difficult character, a convert whom no one ever wanted to work with. But with St. Faustina, the girl changed and was never the same again. That was the quiet, godly influence St. Faustina had on sinful souls. There was not much work for her to do at Derde, and St. Faustina felt as if staying in this house was almost like a holiday, but soon she had to leave for Krakow, where there were better medical facilities for the treatment of tuberculosis. She also hoped that coming to that house would mean the final accomplishing of God's plans concerning the foundation of a new congregation. So here, poor Faustina is not only going through all that she's going through, she's also battling tuberculosis. So, and from what I understand, that is a not only a horrible um, disease, but it's also extremely painful. Although she had already realized that the new congregation would be a great work in the Church, comprising men's and women's congregations as well as lay associations, as she wrote to Father Sapocho in April 1936. She was still convinced that her role in this was to found a contemplative order. On arriving in Krakow, she met with Father Andreas, who advised her to keep praying and exercising acts of self-mortification until the Feast of the Sacred Heart, when he would give her an answer to this question. However, under heavy inner pressure, St. Faustina did not wait until the feast day, but told Father Andreas, during her weekly confession, that she had decided to leave the congregation. Her Cracovian spiritual director observed that since she had taken this decision, she would be taking the full responsibility on herself. At first she was happy to be leaving, but on the next day was overwhelmed by darkness and felt she had lost God's presence so she decided to put off this move a little until her next meeting with her confessor. At first, Mother General had not consented to her leaving the congregation and had warned St. Faustina to beware of delusions and imprudent moves. But now that she was traveling to Krakow for a visitation on the 4th of May, 1937, she said, Until the present, sister, I have always restrained you, but now I leave you complete freedom to choose to do as you wish. You can leave the congregation or you can stay. St. Faustina decided to leave and straight away write to the Holy Father to dispense her from her vows, but yet again she was overwhelmed by such darkness that she returned to Mother General's room to tell her of her tribulation and struggle. This was her last attempt to leave the congregation, but the spiritual struggle continued. She wrote in her diary, No one can understand or comprehend, nor can I myself describe my torments. But there can be no suffering greater than this. The sufferings of the martyrs are not greater because at such times death would be a relief for them. There is nothing to which I can compare these sufferings, this endless agony of the soul. Her soul was being purified in the crucible of spiritual battle. Her mind, will, memory, emotions, and all her senses were submitting to God more and more harmoniously and preparing her soul for full union with him. God never sends suffering that is unbearable, she used to say. For the greater the suffering, the greater God's grace. In the darkness of the passive nights, God was granting her moments of respite and great joy. I suddenly saw the Lord Jesus, she described one of these moments, who spoke these words to me. Now I know it is not for the graces or gifts that you love me, but because my will is dearer to you than life. That is why I am uniting myself with you so intimately as with no other creature. At that moment, Jesus disappeared. My soul was filled with the presence of God. I know that the gaze of the mighty one rests upon me. I plunged myself completely in the joy that flows from God. I continued throughout the whole day without interruption, thus immersed in God. And that's diary entries number 707 through 708. In June of 1937, she made a record in her diary of the final shape of the work, which was one, but had three hues. The first hue comprised the souls separated off from the world, which would burn in immolation before the divine majesty begging for mercy for the whole world and prepare it for the second coming of Christ the second hue would be the active congregations which would combine prayer with acts of mercy and make the merciful love of God present in an egoistic world the third hue could be made up of all the people who by daily acts of mercy on behalf of their neighbors by their words and prayers and for the love of Jesus, would fulfill the task of this work. The achievement of this objective not only brought St. Faustina the greatest amount of suffering, but also led her to full union with Jesus, to what is generally referred to as a mystical betrothal and a mystical marriage. Purified in the passive nights, the powers of her soul no longer put up any opposition. Her reason and will longed only for God, in whatever he longed for. The Lord brought her into the world of an ever closer union with him, preparing her for receiving the grace of mystical marriage. At that moment I was transfixed by divine light and felt I belonged exclusively to God and I experienced the supreme spiritual freedom that like of which I had never dreamed of before. That was diary entry number 1681. Now only a very thin veil of faith separated her from the union with God to which the saints accede in heaven. Okay, so I think we will pause here for now. That will be chapter two. And next week we should be able to conclude with chapter three. And again, I apologize, everyone, that this has been scattered out over three shows. But I hope you all are enjoying it. And as you can see, there is so much in Uh, St. Faustina's little life that she had so much that happened, so much that went on and so much for us to digest as we're receiving all of this amazing information uh, about her life and her experiences and and what she wanted to share with us. So before we go, I would like to close with a prayer by His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama of Tibet, and it's about never giving up. He says, no matter what is going on, never give up. Develop the heart. Too much energy in your country is spent developing the mind instead of the heart. Be compassionate, not just to your friends, but to everyone. Work for peace in your heart and in the world. Work for peace. And I say again, never give up. No matter what is happening No matter what is going on around you, never give up. On that note, everyone, I want to ask all of you, please don't let life get you. I know it's extremely difficult and torturous, but please never give up. Stay strong in your faith and know that you are dearly loved and that you do mean so much to all of us and to the world. My son and I used to watch this show called The Tim and Eric Show, Um, and it had this uh, comedian and actor that some of you may be familiar with who's been in many movies, John C. Riley. He played this character named Dr. Steve Brule, and Dr. Steve Brule would say, don't let the turkeys get you down. And when I was in the hospital with my heart, my son brought me in a little picture that he printed out of Dr. Steve Brule with the caption underneath of it saying don't let the turkeys get you down. And I took that with me wherever I went in the hospital, you know, as a way of motivating and keeping me going as well as keeping this sense of humor, you know, about things and and keeping lighthearted. And that's one thing I want to, you know, pass on to all of you. You know, again, you know, life can be overwhelming and try to destroy you, but try to you know, not don't let those turkeys get you down you know you are better than that you know you are dearly loved and we need you in this world so very much never forget that so I will pause here for now I so hope and pray that you all enjoyed the show and that this show is everything that you've been looking for and even more and that it continues to be that and even more for as long as possible. I am always greatly open to suggestions, recommendations for people to showcase on the show. As I've said infinite times, um, you we have people from all over the world now listening to the show, and I know that each and every one of you have such amazing beings past and present in your culture that we have no idea about, but we should know about. So please, please, please take a moment to contact me, reach out to me, share these people and their stories with me, or at least where I can find the information uh, to locate information on these people so we can have it on the shows. Also, I love to pray. I am always doing my level best to be in a continuous state of prayer and people that listen to the show love to pray as well and we would all love to pray for you if you would like for us to pray for you please there is on the website which i'm going to give you the information here in a minute information there's a form at the bottom of the website that you can fill out to submit your prayer request it asks for your first and last name you don't have to give any of that it does ask the only thing you have to fill out is your email address and that way I can write you back just to let you know I received your prayer request and that we'll be doing it. Um, There's an area there where you can write out what your prayer request is. If it's for you, it's for a loved one, for a friend. If anyone that prays knows that the more information you have about the persons you're praying for, the better. So feel free to share as much information as you're comfortable sharing. And also please note on there, if you want me to just pray for that person or for you, On my own or if it's okay for me to share that on the show so we can get as many people as possible praying so please make sure you note that on there so there's two ways that you can contact me the first is through our website and that also has the prayer request form on there and you can find our website if you don't already know it at faith and more podcast that's all one word faith and more podcast dot wix site w i x s i t dot com slash my dash site s i t e again that's faith and more podcast dot dot com slash my dash site or you can email me directly at faith and more podcast again all one word faith and more podcast at gmail dot com Thank you all so much for listening. I so hope you all return next week. Please, if you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you really enjoyed the show, please share it with as many people as you possibly can because right now that's the only way our show gets out is by word of mouth and by sharing. So the more people you talk to it about and share with, the more people we can have listening and the more people we can bless with these stories of these amazing beings. So again, thank you all so very much for listening. Please know that you all are in my heart and my prayers. I love each and every one of you so much. Always remember, love yourself and love others. And I will see you all again next week.